Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Here's a question. Why are Canadians so friendly? It's not that there aren't plenty of other friendly people in the world, but I always find Canadians to be super friendly. I don't know what it is about them. Anyway... I bring that up because my guest today is a Canadian friend of mine who spent years living on a sailboat. He's also built one of the biggest travel apps out there. So we talk about why he created it. And one of the reasons is that he was scratching his own itch, which is always a good thing when it comes to starting your own business or your own project. You scratch your own itch. And I know now a lot of people are out of work. There is a lot going on in the world. And this is a great episode for you because in it, he also breaks down step-by-step how to choose an idea that you're considering and figure out if it's going to be successful. And he moves through the steps that took him to create a very successful app in the travel space. And you can, of course, apply that framework to anything you're either working on now or may consider working on later. We talk about gratitude. We talk about the money mindset, how important that is to your mental health. Money is a huge part of our lives, whether you're running your own location independent business or not. It's something that comes in and out of our lives. So the more we can think about it the right way, the better we will be in terms of handling our money and being able to save it for travel or whatever else that you want. So that's something that we dive into. We also talk about mini lives, this concept of living mini lives within your life and so much more is a ton of value packed into this interview. Also a shout out to somebody in this community. So we should probably get into it. We got a lot going on. Strap on in, grab your favorite beverage, enjoy a little you time. Thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. I am looking at lovely spring 
weather here in Norway. The flowers are out on the trees. I just saw a bird kill a mouse and scoop it up and fly away. That was pretty intense. Anyway, how are you today? What are you looking at? What are you up to? Where are you listening to this? I'm always curious if you want to shoot me a note or a picture of you listening to this podcast. I'd love to get those. Jason at zero to travel.com is my email address. Hit me up anytime. Would love to hear from you. I do have a shout out to somebody in this community on the back end of this interview. So stick around for that. Another friendly Canadian who had a very unique way to capture his travel memories that he shared with me. You'll hear what that's all about at the end of this interview. But speaking of capturing travel memories, that's exactly what my friend Dane's app does. It's called Journo, and he's going to dive into all the stuff I talked about at the top of the show, talks about sailing around the world, running a lifestyle business, gives a bunch of tips on how you can get started yourself with your first or next location independent business, and a whole bunch of other stuff. I know you're going to love it, so please enjoy listening in on our chat, and I will see you on the other side, my friend. Dane. Hey, man. How you doing? Hey, man. How are you? Good. Very good. We finally speak. I know. Hey, isn't that funny? <laughs> it's been uh, it's been a while that we've been doing some stuff together, but uh, it's nice to get on the horn with you. Here. I know, man. And what better excuse than to pick your brain on a podcast here? I am recording, by the way. I should let you know. Okay, cool. No problem. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you on the boat right now? No, we actually, funny enough, we uh, we sadly just sold the boat. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. Sea yeah, otter is no more? Yeah, sea otter is gone. We sold her uh, just a couple months ago, and uh, we're starting a new chapter, which is uh, landlubber life for the next little bit. Um, I don't know if I told you or not, but we had a, our second kid in December, Sawyer, and so... Uh, Having Isla aboard from the stint, the long stint with her was five months to about 13, 14 months. And so the idea, and it was awesome. It was just the best, but uh, two kids under three on the boat would have been awesome. But there, we just, you know, really back and forth about it, decided that in the end, we're going to, we're going to press pause, uh, go to land for a little bit and then come back when the kids are uh, five, six, seven around there. Uh, and then, you know, uh, open-ended at that point. We can't wait already to get back. <laughs> Hashtag landlubber life. I love that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can relate, man, because I have two kids. Well, my daughter's three years and five months now at the time of this recording, and my son's 14 months, and they're just everywhere. So, I mean, I can imagine it's not very relaxing to be on a sailboat and trying to wrangle two kids because, like, one mistake and... Splash, you know, splish, splash, right. or taking a bath and not in a good way. So, was that part of the reason? You know, the safety wasn't really that much uh, of a factor. We believe that it is super safe. We're very prudent sailors. We we like to we like to believe, um, and so we go out in good conditions. Um, you mean you can't always anticipate squalls and stuff like that, um, but. Uh, it, safety wasn't a thing as much as just 
um, like the logistics of it more than anything else. Um, you know, so for Isla, um, it's like, okay, we want to go jump in the dinghy and then go to shore. It's like put on her vest, get like, you have all this gear when you have a kid and you, you know, like my wife and I are like, we're like minimalists with travel to some degree. And so all of a sudden we are like, the dinghy is just full of kids gear. We got one kid, you know, she's six right. months old. What is all this Dude, stuff? But, um, you're preaching yeah, to the happens, choir, man. You know, you are yeah. preaching to the choir. I'm telling you. <laughs> and like Travis happened. and I have had this conversation before, um, our mutual friend and my business partner and buddy. And, uh, we, we say the same thing. We're like, what, you know, we'd like to travel with just a backpack and a carry on. And all of a sudden, here we are. I mean, it was funny when we were in Mexico together. It was like literally we took a picture of we had a mountain of stuff next to us. I'm like, oh, no what doubt. Is all this? <laughs> I don't even yeah. know. What, what what happened? You know, we yeah, we used to travel light and now you need an entourage just to carry your gear. It's crazy. Hey man, when they get older, then they'll be able to carry their own stuff and then they can decide what they want to bring, right? Be like, I'm not carrying that. I don't care how how heavy you pack that thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, you know, swab the deck, reach some lines. Like it's uh, we can put them to work at that point. Now, you know, we're uh, they're babies. But you know, five or six, I'm gonna have those kids working. You just get them, get them going, man. Child labor laws that yeah. don't count when they're in home, right? So yeah, well, international water child <laughs> labor laws. Yeah, I don't think they exist. So no. we're gonna definitely put them to work. <laughs> We should let everybody know a little bit more about your background. Here we are kind of um, shooting the breeze here. But first of all, how long have you been sailing around the world? Is that what you've been doing? Have you been living on the boat somewhere? I don't even know. Yeah, no, we um, we started sailing out of Florida at this point. It would have been five years back. And we sailed uh, South Florida and the Bahamas for a couple of years. And then, um, the end of it, we started sailing. Our plan was this last season before we sold the boat was to end up in Trinidad. My wife is half training. We got lots of family there. We love it there. Uh, it's a really good hurricane hole. So our plan was to make it all the way down there. The farthest we got was, uh, the very Western, uh, end of the British Virgin Islands. So we, uh, we covered a lot of ground, uh, and that ground is especially tough because you're into the wind the whole time. So it can get, um, uncomfortable and a bit hairy and stuff. Um, so, you know, we, we had, uh, higher hopes of covering more ground, uh, within this, you know, four year, four years at sea, but we, um, we just absolutely had the phenomenal time wherever we were in the Bahamas, even though we, we spent most of our time there, it's just an unbelievable country full of unbelievable people. And as you know, it's just been devastated recently, um, which is super sad. But um, yeah, so we, we covered a bit of ground. Um, and when we go back uh, to it in a, a few years, we'll cover more ground at that point. Cool. You are the founder of a really cool app and um, we actually actually found out about it through you joining our community location indie and then we we kind of got to know you and we were like oh wow like this is this is a really cool thing so i'm excited to kind of let people know about it and i think it's probably better for you to tell them about it i think it's the number one travel journal app um, in the app store so if you want to share a little bit about what it is that you do and then i'm going to have some like a lot of app building questions later mm -hmm. and I'm really sure. wondering how you did this with the travel lifestyle and how you kind of merge those two things. Tell us about 
what you've made because it's an awesome thing. Cool. Well, I appreciate that. I'm glad you. I'm glad you like it. Um, so we made we made an app called Journal. It's uh, as you said, it's a travel journal. And the reason we did so was because uh, when my wife and I first uh, sailed over to the Bahamas, I had a paper journal, and I didn't want to forget this adventure. You know, it was the biggest, best adventure of our lives. And uh, I was scribbling down uh, for the few days that we'd been into this into this trip. And uh, I was trying to describe this like very, very strikingly red sunset uh, one night when we're just on the hook in a secluded bay. Like the setting was pretty phenomenal. Um, And I'm trying to I'm trying to document it in my paper journal. And I'm just not good enough of a writer. Um, And so the next day I decided to just find a, a digital travel journal, you know, something that would be easier for me to document this trip, cover, you know, all the bases. We got video, uh, pics, whatever else. And then uh, it turns out that uh, just I just couldn't find anything like it. There were a couple uh, decent apps that were journals, but nothing tailored specifically for travelers. And so at that point, I'd been a app developer for um, probably five-ish years. For a company? decided or- to... No, I, I, I started the company uh, when I was fresh out of university because I wanted to work from my computer and, and keep feeding the travel bug, right? And, uh, and so we'd made a ton of apps at that point, um, but none in the travel space. And that's where really my heart is. And so we decided to sell pretty much everything and then start this uh, bigger, uh, badder app called Journo, which was going to be, um, you know, the best travel journal we could possibly create. And, uh, and so we did, uh, we scratched our own itch and we created Journo and, and, uh, it's been a few years now and we have a really incredible community full of just awesome people who use it just to document their travels like it was intended. You know, it's got photo video, it's got auto route mapping, so it can just, you know, use the, the GPS of your picture and, automatically pin you on an interactive map um it's uh it's easy to use inside the app and it it comes with uh, as well your own your own travel blog so your friends and family back home can just easily follow along uh and see what you're up to you know so it was uh it's 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 uh, grown a lot definitely since its inception uh and we have uh plenty more uh really cool plans for it uh and for our community um, but, uh, so far people are really enjoying it and it's just really helping them, uh, remember their adventures, uh, in an easier, better way than they had previously. Congratulations. And I should drop the website. It's journohq.com and it's J O U R N O H Q.com. And I believe on there, there's a, at least right now, there's a, a free trial you can get. To the app? Yes. Yeah. So we're we're subscription based, and the subscription comes with a lot more than just the app. It comes with a whole bunch of different products that make travel easier. But the core of it is is a full uh, unlimited usage of the app. And so we wanted to give a uh, no credit card down, you know, free trial to the app. You just download it from the app store, uh, and you get 14 days to to use it. Uh, unencumbered. If you like it, then you can subscribe. If you don't, then we want you to love it. Um, and so we wanted to be, we wanted it to to be easy. Put the the onus on us to prove to you that it was worth it. If you didn't feel so, then you know it didn't cost you a penny to give it a shot. I love the spirit behind all of this, right? Because like you 
I, it's funny because I wrote down scratch your own itch when you kind of mentioned that and then you actually said those words because that's essentially what you were doing as a traveler and also it's not just like a business. I mean, this is the passion behind it is helping people create those travel memories and, you know, have a place to to store them and access them in an easy way. And I mean, I just love when you can design a business that you're, you know, that slotted in with your expertise that you can be excited about, but that also serves people in a way that's greater than just, you know, the standard sort of business. I mean, this to me is kind of Maybe it's not the definition of lifestyle business because you could say, well, that's just you know creating a business that fuels your lifestyle. But to me, one of the most important parts of that is that the business serves people in some way that's greater than the norm, I, I guess I would say. It sounds like you had a successful app company right out of the gates. Was that the case? Because you sold some stuff. Did you guys do pretty well with that first company or was it just... <laughs> yeah, you know... Uh... First of all, thanks for thanks for saying that about uh, how you you know the I guess the vibe you're getting. I'm glad that that does come through because you know we 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 live this thing, uh, and uh, we really do care. So uh, so thanks for that. But yeah, it definitely not uh, coming hot out the gate with the app company. I the first app that I made lost just a ton of money. I you know I flipped a house and I basically dumped all my profits into it, and it did. Wow. Just your your real. personal money, or did you have investors? No personal money. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, uh, and then, you know, say la vie, uh, lesson learned, but I didn't give up. Um, I just dug in deeper, not financially. I just, I, I reworked it. I, I, I looked into how, uh, companies are doing better at this, which, which apps are doing, uh, successful, why they're doing good. Uh, and then, you know, what can we create, um, that, follows along those trends or, um, you know, business models. And so the first one did real bad. Uh, and then slowly they started to do a little better and a little better and a little better. And, uh, that company we'd sold different pieces of it over time. Uh, the company itself had generated, you know, uh, before we sold it over something like 11, 10, 11 million downloads. Um, it had some pretty good apps in there. Um, but, you know, none of them, none of them really mattered to me because um, they were tools and they were cool. Um, you know, we enjoyed making them, but uh, they didn't change anybody's life for the better. Not uh, not the way that we intend to do so in the new company. So it was fine to sell it uh, and then start over with a bigger, harder um, endeavor, which was journal. Um, but uh, yeah, so in the end, we did. We did a lot better, um, but at the beginning, no, <laughs> not at all. But it was good, you know. Those those lumps, uh, you know, they make you smarter um, and they make you wiser with your money and the and the stuff that you make and and, and you uh, you just get better. On that note, I'm wondering. I mean, there might be some people listening to this that have been maybe sitting on the sidelines with an idea, or maybe they're afraid of that type of failure where they're going to, you know, maybe not, they're not going to flip their house and, and lose tons of money, but even, even their savings or part of their savings or whatever. I mean, that can be one of the, the scarier things, right? Which is why I guess bootstrapping is so popular, but at a certain point you have to invest some money. I just wanted to get your advice around that because to me, the act of building a business is actually a skill in and of itself, right? And it's one of those things that, yeah, you might have to fail, but then you learn a little bit each time and you get better at not just the business you're in, but the actual 
business building skill, I guess. So like, do you have any regrets over that time? I mean, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, but mm-hmm. I'm just curious about your thoughts on all that. No, zero, absolutely zero regrets. Even though you um, lost that money or that, that no, at least matter. that one part? You, know, or, yeah. you can always yeah, make more, my, right? <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, money, my dad's got a great saying. Uh, maybe you've heard it, but you'll never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Uh, and I think he's pretty bang on. It's very true. Money is great because it can it can do a lot of things for you and your family. And more than anything else, I think that money is great because it, it can relieve some stress uh, and some burden. And I think stress is just a it's a killer. You know, it just it beats you up physically and, and mentally. And, and that's not fun. Um, but other than that, I mean, it it's money's money. I mean, you can definitely make more of it. It comes and goes. And I think the more you try to grasp onto it the harder it is to hold on to it's um, it, you, at least for me, it's, it's, it's about thinking of it in a, in a, in a different way. You know, how can we add value? Usually when you focus on that more than the financial side of it, the money will follow. It's such a, it's such a weird thing to say. And you hear people say that kind of stuff and say, like, okay, but, but <laughs> you know, there's still, there's That's still not practical. coming out and coming in, but yeah, right. Yeah. Well, this is like money mindset stuff, right? Because I think it's important to have a philosophy around money and to pay attention to what it is. And it's really easy, I think, at least for me and, and maybe some others that are listening to slip into these sort of subconscious thoughts, maybe, that w- the messaging we had growing up can kind of creep in for better or worse, right? And that can affect your ability to make money, receive money in a, in a way that feels good. Did you ever have to work on your own mindset around money? Was that a conscious thing, or did you always had this sort of healthy attitude towards it? Like it come, it comes and goes, and it's you know it's about no, providing value. And no, I haven't. Um, I've definitely had to work on my mindset. I, I haven't just had it like that. Um, uh, and it's still it's still something that I work on. I work on it all the time. I, I really put a focus on my mindset. I try to at least, uh, daily. Um, I think that most things in life follow your, um, your mentality, your thought process, uh, your belief system. Um, it kind of runs the show. It's the deeper working system. It's the, you know, the man behind the curtain. It's the stuff that I believe does, uh, kind of, yeah, we'll run the show is probably a good way to put it. Um, so I've always, I've always had to, to work on that. And I, and I still do. So by, by no means have I got it all figured out, but, um, how do you work on uh, it? Is it, is it journaling or what do you, what do you uh, do? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's a a good question. And, uh, yes. So one of the things I try to do is just be, is be grateful. Uh, and, and so journal as a travel journal, uh, can just also be used if you're at home, obviously, and it's a piece of cake. So, um, you heard of, uh, I'm sure you heard just the, it's a bit of a popular thing, just a you know, five minute journal or, or a daily gratitude journal or whatever. And you just take a couple minutes every day and just write down three things that you're grateful for. And it just kind of puts you in a better, better mindset for the day. Uh, I like to do it in the morning. Some people do it at night, but I like to do it in the morning and it just, you know, you, the world is, is the lens you see it through and, and it just kind of puts you in the right spot through the day. And when you see things uh, from a grateful place, things are just better, you know? Um, and then those decisions get easier. All your decisions throughout the day get easier because you're usually making them from a truer, better place. So I do that. Um, I, I read a lot, um, um, on, 
on mindset, on personal development, um, anything like that. Um, I'm just always trying to get better. I got a long ways to go, but it, you know, <laughs> usually every book I pick up is, uh, is helpful. You know, I think this is a, so, a very strong theme with the entrepreneurs that I mingle with is I, I can't think of one that's not into sort of reading and self-development and things like that because to weather the storm, is that a sailing term, by the way? Weather the storm? It Probably. is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to throw in as many sailing terms as I can here now. Nice. You have to work on yourself because it gets intense, right? Yeah. Yeah, it gets hard. You know, you got to be able to get through it for sure. Running a business, whether it's uh, a, a somewhat simpler lifestyle business or you have employees, it's um, it can definitely get it's it is more difficult at points uh, than just clocking in somewhere else, right? You, you, you do take it home with you. There's, there's a lot more to deal with. Uh, and so it does make you more capable of dealing with those things. I think you're right. How big is your team? We got, uh, there are, there are uh, two, five of us. Oh yeah. So we got, uh, developers, designers, and then, uh, some marketing as well. Cool. You mentioned getting bit by the travel bug or that that's where your heart was before, you know, and it seems to have been there for a while, even when you were working through the other company. When did that happen? Where did you, I, like, I don't know where you grew up or was that something that was part of your growing up or? It was, it was my parents. My parents loved to travel. My mom worked at an airline in Canada called Air Canada. And uh, uh, so we traveled standby while she worked there and then she, they had a downturn and uh, she got offered a, you know, a severance layoff package and she took it cause it was pretty great. Uh, you know, free flights for her family for every year of service, which was a long time. And so until I was 21, I was so lucky. I got free flights uh, to a year uh, anywhere in the world and back was, was one. And so I remember being 20 and I'm flying first class with, with my brother who was 18 to over to Europe, you know, eating rack of lamb, drinking champagne, completely out of place in first class. You're like, you know? who are these guys? Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Everybody just like scoffing at us when they walked by out of place. It was pretty awesome. And they're, they're great, obviously. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, we just, we had that. My family just loved, uh, loved to live. I mean, my parents are so social and they love to see the world and, uh, they took us to Europe for a month and a half when we were like 15, 16, 17. And, um, was that the big one that yeah. you remember kind of, was there one that really lit it up for you? Uh, it, I, I is it the culmination so. of, of all these Yeah, I think it was just, I think it was all of them. I think yeah. that, uh, they'd always, there, there was always a lot, even if it was just like a road trip camping, you know, it was just all about getting out there and doing something. And uh, I think that was the thing more than just one instance. It was just a, uh, it was just all of them put together that that created this. And you know, once you start doing it on your own outside of your family, it, it changes. It's a different, it's a different trip. You know, doing Europe when you're 20 is a different trip than doing Europe when you're 15 with your folks. And uh, um, you know, that just, I think it just snowballs from there. You just love it even more. You're with your friends. And you're out of your comfort zone and every bit of it is just thrilling, you know, and it still is, you know, right now we're lucky we're um, my wife and my two kids and I are visiting uh, some friends in Portland, just outside of Portland, who we met sailing. And, um, you know, there's a lot more of a downtime, let's say, when you got 
three, they got a young kid too. And there's, so there's, you know, a lot more time in the house and it's, it's still, we still love it. You know, um, you get out less, but it's still just, it's, it's different and it's new. Uh, and it's, it's still an adventure. Yeah. It's a different kind of adventure for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how did you get into the sailing? Was that something that your parents did or was that totally you? No, this is funny too. Cause, uh, so I'm from Winnipeg, Manitoba and Winnipeg is in the prairies uh, completely like landlocked central Canada. And there is a sailing community cause we got some pretty great lakes and, uh, but I did not grow up in that community. My parents had never sailed. No one I knew sailed. Um, it was on a trip, um, when I was in Italy, uh, at a different point years down the road with my other brother. And, uh, have you been, you've been to Italy? Yeah. Yeah. So have you been to the Cinque Terre? Yes. Okay. So it's beautiful. so beautiful, right? Yeah, I mean, oh my God. It's awesome. I remember asking people, yeah, like what's your favorite spot who've been, you know, all over the world. And it was, it was crazy how many people just kept coming back saying the Cinque Terre. Like it's just, it is this beautiful utopia. And we were in one of these, one of the towns, I think it was Rio Maggiore. Or that's where I stayed is, I twice. That's my spot. Oh, yeah. That's man, the place so I like nice. to stay. I love that town. Well, you know, it's so funny. So this is, so you know exactly what I was looking at. I, it was, it was sunset and I'm looking out over the bay and I'm thinking to myself, this is it. This is so beautiful. This is why I love to travel. Uh, it can't get any better than this. And, uh, not that I'm always, uh, you know, trying to up it, but I remember seeing this sailboat that was just moored out there in the bay thinking to myself, Oh wait, what's that guy's deal? You know, like, does, do they get a, like, move their house to a different bay whenever they feel like it do they get the view in when they're on land and they get the view out when they're on the boat and if they don't like it they just ship off to the next one i'm like that maybe that's the coolest way to see the world and uh um so i just you know thought about it quickly and then let it go and then it just kind of kept coming up you know i saw sailing in a different light after that point and then it just kind of stuck with me and i i uh i have a good buddy who's whose uncle um, uh, out of BC is a old salt. And he was nice enough to, to have me aboard and teach me sailing. As long as I made it out there, uh, he offers it to everybody. Not many people take him up on it. And uh, I did. It, this is your uncle. You said he offers that to everybody in the, in the family to teach sailing, teach them to sail. Or? No, this is right. It, sorry. This is my buddy's uncle. Oh, your buddy's uncle. Okay. And he offers it to just everybody. Okay. Yeah, got like it. He, okay. Well, that's whoever, sweet. You know, he's just like passionate about it and just, Hey, I want to help people sail. Yeah. And his, I guess his thing is like, if you are serious about it, you will make the effort and come down and sail. And most people say they want to do something like that. And then they don't. So when someone actually pulls the trigger and flies out there and makes their way down there, he's more than, he's, he's more than stoked to, to help out. And he's just a phenomenal guy. And so, uh, he taught me how to sail, um, off the West coast and then, uh, you know, met my wife and convinced her to quit her job and go buy a boat. And then the rest is history. You know? <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. We're not going to just gloss over that really quick. <laughs> you met her when you were already sort of established sailor and you had traveled and met her or where, where did you guys meet? I uh, met her back home in Winnipeg. Okay. She, what, she's a she's a teacher. She was teaching in, in Abu Dhabi for a couple of years, and she was back for Christmas. And uh, I'd met her once prior, but I'd seen her at that point. And this is when I was already sailing out of BC, but I had no boat, but I had the plan. You know, I'm building 
I'm building these apps up. I'm going to sell a portion of my portfolio. I'm going to buy a boat and I'm going to sail the world. This is my grand plan. And then I met her and just, she had me for real quick. And, uh, you know, she's just unbelievable. And she, um, was into it. She was into the adventure, into the dream. So there wasn't like too much, didn't take too much convincing on your part. Well, it's hard. She's a, she's a teacher. She's, um, she loves, loves, loves teaching. She loves kids. She's a phenomenal teacher and, and, uh, and she had a really great job. Um, but you know, she's similar vein as me just believes that life is short. And, uh, when you want to do something like this, although it's grandiose and scary, it's, uh, like, when is it ever not worth it? You know? Uh, and so in her experience, you know, even just quitting to ship off to Abu Dhabi, uh, to teach was, was worth it, you know? And, and, and so she knew that this new adventure would be too. And, and it, and it was, she loved it. She, and she was unbelievable at sea. So that's great. Worked man. out, man. Thank yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really know how life at sea is going to be until you take off and, and get into it for a fairly extended period of time, right? I mean, before you you bought the boat and really committed, what was the the longest amount of time you spent at sea traveling? Right, uh, seven days. Okay. Yeah, that was the longest one stint that we'd done. And actually, uh, her and I went and we did a course out of out of Vancouver, so she can get more of an experience and make sure that it was a decision that she was truly happy with. And it helped our friends and family believe we, we weren't just going to die as soon as we got out there. <laughs> so we took this, uh, that was the longest, that was the seven days. And, um, she did, she loved it. Um, and then we, you know, found a boat in Fort Lauderdale and then just moved on her permanently, you know, went from seven days to, well, four years or five years. Or wow. Whatever. And you just lived on the boat, right? You didn't have a, did you have a home base anywhere that you kept or rented out or anything or? Yeah, we had, uh, we both had a, a place back in Winnipeg and we just rented it out. Um, but we got rid of all of our stuff. Uh, it was, which is freeing. Um, we decided that we were going to go to the boat with a, a duffel bag of personal stuff each. That's all you can keep from, pretty much like your entire life. Like that's not totally true. There was like some, you know, important personal artifacts, let's call them that we left with parents back home, but, uh, we got rid of everything and it was pretty awesome. Uh, so yeah. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I'm going to have some more questions around sailing. I'm going to circle back to that. So just earmark that. I wanted to talk about a little bit about app development and some of these questions might tie in with, general business questions for people. So, I mean, I think the first question, first natural question is the idea phase, right? I mean, and you can talk about it specifically for apps or business in general, however you prefer, but I know your experience is is with apps. So, it's just wondering your advice on picking an idea. I mean, I think there's people that fall into a couple camps, generally speaking. One is Oh, I don't. I don't have any ideas. I'm not really sure what to do. And the other one might be, I have too many ideas. I don't know which one to pick. <laughs> so, yeah, would love to get your advice on that. Yeah. So when it comes to apps, and I would think that this is similar to any business. The way that I think of apps is that um, the app store is a marketplace like many others. The product 
is a product like many others. So the market research is somewhat the same. Like it's still a business where you need to serve a uh, serve someone with a valuable product in exchange for money. It's just that the format in which it's done is that it's through the app store. So there's a lot of it just carries over, if not all of it carries over into deciding on any of your other business ideas that you might have. Um, but specifically about choosing which one to run with in the app store, which is you know our forte, this is what we do. Um, it just has to do with thorough, thorough market research. Um, and so the, the process that we go through is, uh, is first just searching the app store and seeing whether or not there's anything that's similar. Now, a lot of people ask me like, uh, you know, about making apps and they have ideas. I, I hear that quite often. I got an idea for an app, got an idea for an app and, and then I give them some homework and it usually starts with, you know, do your market research, look in the app store, what's similar, uh, download everything that's similar and pull out a piece of paper and write down what you like, what you don't like, uh, what's good, bad, what the differences are, um, colors, fonts, like how, the, how it makes you feel. This is all preliminary stuff. And even before you decide which uh, app idea you want to roll with. Um, and a lot of people, when they come to me uh, with an idea, they want it to be uh, super novel. They want it to be something that doesn't exist. You know, some people think that, oh, I had that idea, but someone else made it, so I'm not going to make it anymore. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think that's that's right. Because what happens is if you have a super novel idea, my first app was a super novel idea. My first app was a social alarm clock. <laughs> okay. I thought that, you know, I was drinking with some buddies in Australia on a road trip. And we had talked about how alarm clocks uh, suck. Everybody hates them. No one wants to wake up to an alarm clock. And so I mm -hmm. thought, why do they got to be that bad? What if, what if you sent me a video that I woke up to and mm -hmm. it was funny? I'd be excited to wake it's up. A cool to idea. That, you know, yeah. right. So, but it, it's not something that people are actively searching for. So not only do I have to make the product, I have to, I have to, and, and market it. I have to now teach people why it's a problem they need solved, you know? Yeah. And, and that's that a big hurdle is that's a big hurdle. So if you have a super novel idea, it's brand new and there's been nothing like it. It's, it's going to be harder to make that fly and not to say that you shouldn't, um, but it will be harder. You just need to know it'll be harder to make that fly because you need to tell people uh, in the first place, you need to educate them on why that fits with some other problem that they might need solved. Um, you kind of have to sometimes create the problem in order to showcase why your thing will solve it. So it can be tough. Um, and, and so what we like to do, um, is see whether there's something similar that is already working. And specifically, it's something that people are already paying money for. Um, people might like stuff, but they might only like it if it's free. Um, and advertising in an app works. A lot of apps are monetized fully through ads. Um, and so you can take that into account, but it just needs to be something that people are willing to pull out a credit card for or willing to wait through video ads for or whatever the case. Um, you know, and so it can, it can get uh, a bit confusing trying to navigate that. Um, you know, how, how much competition is too much competition how little is too little. Um, and so there's a lot of nuances there, but I think that 
for sure having competitors uh, does prove that that um, the market does want your idea. And so then at that point, uh, it's it's somewhat greenlit. Your idea can be somewhat greenlit. Um, and you want to then make a far better or different product than what's available. You never want to copy somebody, but it's okay to emulate what's working to some degree. Okay. So, um, you take everything that's out there, uh, it, and then based on the original ideas that you had, you might have some things that were different about it. Uh, you can implement those and then you can create your product knowing that people are already actively out there looking for it and willing to pay for it. And that will just save you a lot of grief. Um, and a lot of marketing dollars. Yeah. So that's it's, great um, advice. yeah, um, <laughs> went deep there a little bit, but, um, no, no, that's, that's what I was looking for. And I think one of the things that you hit on too, is this idea of solving a problem and sounds like that should be identifiable, right? It's like a real sort of legit kind of th- specific thing that you're solving or at least a couple <laughs> right i mean what are people searching for like they're searching for a solution to something how are they searching for it um and then how does your product fit in with that you know so it can be tough but you can do it that's a great process that you just ran through it's uh you just laid it out there i mean the market research downloading everything writing everything that's good and bad about it how it makes you feel i thought that was really a great idea. I hadn't really thought of writing those types of notes down during that process, but I think that's super important and that's with design and everything like that. So obviously that's very important when it comes to apps. Well, on on the design front, the next steps I imagine would be creating some kind of prototype. Uh, There's a combination of designer and developer. I'm not really sure. I'm wondering if with all the knowledge that you have through the success that you've had building these things and uh, doing it for so long, what would you say to somebody for these next steps? Like what's the smartest way to tackle that? Yeah, I I would say you take this idea that you've now, you know, has uh, an opportunity to have legs and you, what we call is wireframing it. And so um, we should, we should somehow give uh, uh, my email address or, or a link to a page where I can give people, um, like a free downloadable wireframe. So essentially all it is, is just like, it's, it's like uh, just visuals of, of your iPhone or your iPad and you just get with a pen and paper on there and you just draw, okay, well, this would be the homepage layout. It'd be a, a logo up here and buttons down here. And then this button, you draw an arrow to another screen on that page. And this is going to take you here. And so you draw out everything. And there's, there are apps online for, I prefer pen and paper for this process because it's just so much faster. Um, and, and so you, you draw out what you would like this to look like, and then you try to remove anything that can cause confusion or is just an unneeded step. Okay. People, especially nowadays don't want, uh, time is valuable. Their attention is very short. Uh, and so if you're creating an app to solve a problem, you want to try to solve it in as little amount of steps as possible. Um, what's also great about that mentality is that, uh, it will save you a lot of money on design and development. Okay. Which can get somewhat costly depending on how deep you go with the idea. And so creating this, this, this one term is a minimal viable product. This, this, um, um, sort of smaller version of your, of your bigger idea, um, will save you money. It allows you to get to market a lot sooner 
which allows you to get a lot more feedback a lot quicker. And then you can implement improvements based on that feedback. And so it saves you a ton of time and resources. Uh, and you know that you're not wasting, right? So that's tough. I mean, if you create all these features that you think are cool, but you don't know that the market thinks they're cool, you don't know if your users think they're cool, it costs you a lot of money at the gate to just test that hypothesis. And so you don't, you know, you, you, you do the minimal version of it that still solves the problem in a really cool way, in a way that they enjoy, uh, and then you build on it from there. So you get the wireframes, you hand them off to a designer after you've thrashed them and you've taken everything out that is unnecessary. The designer comes back, uh, you go through the designs, you approve them, and then you take the designs and you hand them over to the developer who then builds the app for you. I know costs can vary dramatically depending on who you hire and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. But do you have any kind of estimate on roughly what you think? I know you developed them yourself and I I understand this is a very difficult question. So everybody listening, don't, don't hold Dane to this number, (laughs) you know, do you have any sort of rough idea and like, and, and it depends on the app and how complicated it is and everything. But let's say, like a medium complicated app, whatever that means to you. I'm sure you've seen easy ones and hard ones. That's you know this minimum viable idea where it's it's, it's pretty stripped down and, and pretty clean coming out of the gates. Any idea? Could you even throw? Are you just going to be like Jason? This is a ridiculous question. Move on to the next one. It's a it's not it's a great question. It's just really hard to answer. Yeah, and I'm so sorry that no, I. I I understand it's an unfair question (laughs) because there's just so many factors. Like I can just whip through a thousand questions. Like uh, what's the minimum iOS that you're going to run it on? Do you want it iOS Android? Do you want an iPad and iOS? Do you want it separate or universal that one app works for both? Um, You know, there's a, there's a thousand and one, which language is it going to be written in? There's so many questions, but let's, I think that, I think that what we're trying to figure out here for people is just kind of and a ballpark as to what you would look for if you wanted to get into making an app. So I think that the best way to do this would be to think of not a medium-sized app because the range is too large, but think of an absolute smallest, the, the, the smallest end on the scale, and how much would that cost? So let's say that it's just for iOS. Uh, you build it for iPad and for iPhone which uh, is called iOS Universal. Um, and so it's essentially building one app that works for both instead of building one app that uh, one app for each. Um, and it is formatted for all of the new uh, iPhone um, devices and sizes and, and iPad and iPad sizes. Um, and it is a very, very, very simple app. Um, and you're getting it developed, let's say, in the United States. Uh, and it's designed in the United States. Um, oh my God, I still just have a hard time with this question, but I would, um, I would say you probably have to, uh, you can do it for cheaper. I mean, to be honest, my first apps were all built in India. I've had apps built in China and in the Ukraine, uh, and phenomenal developers over there but it can be a bit uh, tough to find the really good ones, uh, but you can save money that way. But um, r- just as a sort of basis point, 
uh, in the U.S., I would say for a very, very, very simple app, you know, if you budgeted 5000 you should have a real quality, simple app that has everything you need and is live in the app okay the app store. that was i was guessing between five and ten thousand so yeah um, but you know, but, you know who, this is who knows i mean well you know yeah and this <laughs> well but, and this is this is also the i'm talking like the very very the small end like this is kind of like your minimum that you'd have to if you wanted something that was as simple as it could possibly be right. in the app store you know and if that sounds exciting um, or overwhelming to people that's going to be up up to them but i guess uh yeah don't do not forget the you know you don't just put it out there and then sit back and collect the money of course because there's constantly updates and things so you're going to need to keep paying developers to yep. keep updating things and redesigning and all that good stuff right mm-hmm. yeah which is which is good that you mentioned that because it's not it's not like yeah a book you publish it once and, and you're done till the next edition that you're constantly updating based on the new iOS that Apple's releasing and devices and bugs and whatever. So it's an ongoing thing. Um, it doesn't have to keep costing you a lot of money as long as it's built properly the first time. Yeah. Okay. Um, Another scary so, or exciting thing, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, there are other places you can go for this and there's, there's certainly a lot more money that you can spend on that, but you can, you can get cheaper design. You can, elsewhere in the world you can get cheaper programming else in the world but you can also get a hell of a lot more expensive uh right at home or elsewhere in the world yeah. uh, you know we were using actually a team out of russia years and years ago and they were more expensive than probably most u.s teams but they were just the best you know what um, about web apps so, versus these types of apps that have to go on an app store or something like that uh i think they're i think they're good i think they're they have their place there's um limitations there's a lot that you can't do if you wanted to integrate with the device um right so i mean right bringing the camera up for example or things yeah Yeah. um right and push notifications and you know extensions and all sorts of stuff that make it make apps really cool um but you know you have you build a you can build a web app if if you don't need an app in the app store there are plenty of people that totally believe that you can just build a web app to serve the same purpose um it you know you would have to sell on your own website you won't be selling through the app store which is not a bad thing because the app store takes 30 percent of your revenue um but there's also not a thousand people that are just going on there to find your thing in the first place right right? millions and millions of people going to find your thing in the first place you have to market it uh outside of the app store Um, yeah so i mean it's not definitely not a bad idea it totally just depends on the product yeah, and it sounds like for your product, it's that wouldn't make sense at all because no, it's all yeah, about we, the we, using the GPS and the camera and all of the the things that allow you to document travel in this day and age. Yeah, what are some of the the pros and cons? I guess I should say the the big mistakes to avoid if there's just one or two. The, I think those are always worth highlighting because they can save a lot of heartache. Hmm. Um. I guess, I mean, what comes to mind is not doing your market research. Um, it just, it's never a, a fun thing. People want to just believe the idea that they have in the first place because they like it, that, that it's enough. Um, and it can be, but it will just save you a lot of grief in knowing that uh, that your idea will have legs once it's, once it's released, so you got a fighting a chance, right? <laughs> for 
for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people want it, you know, um, another would be going too deep with functionality and making it such a monstrosity to build that it takes forever. Um, that's tough because the iOS is always advancing. And so the longer you take them, you'll have to just update it again before you're even live the first time I've fallen into that trap in the past a few times. Um, I think that, uh, uh, another big mistake on the marketing side is not, not building it, not baking in, uh, marketing, like, uh, uh, marketing assets or, or opportunities for your users to share your product from within the app. Um, and so that is a really, really, uh, smart thing to pay attention to. It's a, the term is a viral coefficient. So how many users bring more users? And if you can increase that, uh, that number, then every user you bring in might bring, you know, another user. If you can do that, then your marketing dollars go way down because okay. you're essentially getting two for one. Would know? that be your number one um, marketing tip to market within the app? I think it's a massive opportunity. Okay. I do. Um, of course, you so have to get that even, people on the app first, you know, that's. Yeah. That's yeah. So ASO, ASO is uh, app store optimization. It's like SEO in the online world ranking high for Google. ASO is how do you rank high for search terms in the app store? And uh, that's a, that has to be done properly. Plenty of resources out there um, on how to do so. Um, but you need to take the time and do the research and fill as many spots as you can with, uh, with quality keywords that when people find your app under those keywords, they actually, they, Oh, that fits and they want to download it. Can you do keyword research for what ranks in the yeah. app store? Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of, um, uh, free resources to use. There is, uh, app Annie.com. There's, Oh man, there's so many of them now. Um, sensor tower, um, you know, those have been around for a while, so I still use those. But there's some other ones that are that are pretty great too. Um, but there's yeah, plenty of resources you can you know type in your number one keyword and you can see what's ranking. Other than just doing it yourself in the app, you know, you'll see just an easy layout of to like the top you know hundred apps that are ranking for that keyword and and then what kind of movement they've had in the last little while, which is cool because if you see an app that just spikes all of a sudden, you, you dig a little deeper. So what happened? What happened to that app? Like what did? What did that woman do in that app that had that brought it to the top? What what was the deal? What changed? Um, and then you, if you can find that out, and maybe you can implement it. Maybe it's a weird ASO uh, thing that the algorithm is, has switched, or they've done something different with their in-app like review prompt, and all of a sudden they're getting lots of reviews, and that's increasing them in the rankings. Like. You know, there's lots of different factors, but um, that ASO, that market research based on the keywords is is valuable too. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for sharing all that knowledge around app production and marketing and everything it takes to kind of bring something to life. So that's super helpful. We haven't had anybody on the show um, with your expertise that has spoken on this topic. So really, really appreciate that, man. Maybe the show notes, we can, we can give a link and, you know, you're your listeners are an awesome group of people. Uh, and so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give a link there if they want to learn more or have, uh, have, you know, questions that, uh, that, uh, I, or, um, yeah, I'd be happy to, I'd be happy to answer. Cool. Of course, we'll just remind people one more time. If they want to check out 
One, well, you have several apps, but the one we talked about today is Journo. It's the number one travel journal app, and it's J-O-U-R-N-O, and you could search that in the app store, right? Or go to journohq.com, get to it there for whatever device you're using, I'm sure. You play guitar, is that right? I saw one of the three, there was like three things that you couldn't live without, I guess. It was Sea Otter, your guitar, and your phone because it has your apps and books. Is it, I guess Sea Otter's <laughs> gone now. You have to, you have to oh, re-slot is, something oh, in there. But. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I think that we need to update that. Is this, uh, I feel like this is on the above page of the site. This definitely needs to be updated. I do play guitar, but I am piss poor. But I really enjoy it. Yeah, what do you um, play? Uh, oh, on a boat, I had a $100 you know, Yamaha acoustic because thing everything on a boat just gets salt water rock so, oh yeah oh no i meant just um, more like what type of music do you play <laughs> oh man you know i uh you grab an app and you just get the tabs and just happy songs like yeah. i want to play a lot of bob marley and uh I, yeah i don't even know it just whatever uh whatever's easy i guess is a good answer <laughs> man because that's the first yeah. thing i think about if i think about living on the sailboat is kind of dangling my feet over the edge. And of course, underneath my feet is this crystal clear blue water. And uh-huh. I'm, I yeah. definitely got a guitar and I'm definitely just kind of strumming, hanging out like with maybe there there's is. a beer next to me somewhere or something. Does that sound about right? There's definitely a beer next to you. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's it. You on a boat, it's pretty phenomenal because, um, you know, you don't, you don't watch TV. You don't, you, you hang out in the cockpit. Like every night, my wife and I, we sit in the cockpit and we play crib and we drink wine and we got music on and we're just watching the sun go down. And it's just, every day is full of opportunities to relax like that. So, you know, times when you do pull out the guitar and, you know, drink a beer and dangle your feet over the edge, that is just a part of it, which is a, which is one of the really cool things about sailing is that it, it slows things down in your life and it takes it back to the basis. Like you just, you read a lot. I mean, you read an absolute ton when you're on the boat, whereas back home, it's just too easy after a long day just to plop on the couch and put something on, you know, which we, we always try to fight. But um, on the boat, it's just, it's easier you know, it's well, just a part of it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. How do you feel now coming, having your second kid and now coming the other way, trying to, I imagine it's quite an adjustment for you guys to go from that lifestyle to the sort of, if you call it a more traditional lifestyle, I guess. And I can certainly relate. Uh, I know that was challenging for me at certain points and still is sometimes. How is that going for you guys? Good. We love it. I mean, we miss sailing a lot, <laughs> but um, when we had decided on this new chapter, and I like to kind of frame it like that in my mind, it, it is. It's a new chapter. I mean, it's never, It's this isn't the same way it's going to be forever. This is the chapter for now, and there will be another chapter after. And this chapter is a chapter that is spent uh, with a ton of friends and family uh, our kids get to hang out with their cousins and their aunts and uncles and grandparents a lot more than if we were on the boat. So there are many, many really awesome things about this chapter. And so we're excited, you know, um, and the time will come. And as you know, time flies. So it'll be soon enough that we are back out to sea. Um, but there's no point just pining over the next chapter when what you got in front of you is, is still real damn sweet. 
you know yeah man i i couldn't agree more and i've i actually look at it the same way as this is sort of the next adventure chapter in in my life as well and it's been yeah i I feel like when you travel and you kind of do these different things like you've had these businesses you've lived in the sailboat all these different things you've done it's like you're you're living different lives and different chapters of of sort of different mini lives within lives in a way right and once you do that you always kind of know i think it's easier to settle down into the new one because maybe that comes with age a bit too at least it was that, that way for me but it's yeah it's kind of easier to settle down that knowing like hey it's just you know this is as forever as i want it to be you know like we can always switch things up or or make it different if if we want to and start writing a new chapter you know yeah oh you're bang on i like that this is as forever as i want it to be totally i mean you decide i mean obviously there's circumstances for different people that uh, are that kind of dictate the the way things are rolling right now but i think for most of us we get we're so lucky to be born in this day and age and um where we are we get to decide what this chapter looks like what the next one looks like and if you don't like it, you have every opportunity in the world to change it, you know, and uh, which is why this one is not forever. If you want to alter it, uh, then do so. You know, the only one stopping you is you. So um, what might that be? And who knows? I mean, at this point, we totally expect to go back to the boat, like to buy another boat, head back to sea. But um, five years is still a, a ways away. And we might choose a different chapter at that point and that's fine, you know, but, um, just the idea that like you're saying that, uh, none of them are forever. Um, and, and you're in control of it. I think it's, I think that's, uh, nails it. Yeah. Who knows who will be in five years and what we'll be interested in. Right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> only time will tell. I have, uh, <laughs> I wanted to work in a few more s- sailing puns, but I, I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't naturally figure it out i mean i i, I was gonna say you know I, I you really know the ropes around the app development oh, things so nice nice well you got that, that one in. that's and, good uh you yeah. know you really keep everything above board by uh just sharing also and, good also good you know it's uh keep it's, them coming uh, you've I really like you've, yeah. you've really been worth your salt in this interview so uh, oh man that's good <laughs> ended it ended it on a strong note I'm so sorry, well everybody. Done. We'll uh, we will stop that nonsense now. And um, I hope I can see you. I'm going to be in the Pacific Northwest later in the spring next year. I'm, I don't know. Are you guys pretty stationary now in Canada? Are you still going to travel around a bit like this and visit friends and bop around? Or Yeah, we just love to to travel too much just to stay permanent in Winnipeg. So, um, but my wife did get uh, a teaching position again. And so, you know, she's done mat leave come the new year. And so she'll teach for the start of next year. Uh, but we're, we got a few more trips here before the year end. And then, um, uh, you know, come next summer again, we're, we're back out. So I'm sure she's excited. About always moving. Getting back to teaching. It must be pretty exciting. She, yeah, she, she is. She just, it's, it's so great to see someone so like, so passionate about teaching kids you know it's like she is she's how every teacher you hope is you know she we go out 
uh, go grocery shopping and she literally says, oh, I hope I see some of my students. I think that she's like one of the <laughs> few teachers that ever wants that, you know, right. like, loves it, you know. Totally, yeah. So she's, uh, which is, which was tough because when we were at the sea and she didn't get that, that was a big part of her life, but she knew that, you know, she'd go back to it at some point. Um, but it, it is pretty great that she's there now and, and she's excited. That's great, man. Well, congratulations. Do you want to just share one more time wherever everybody can find you and what you get, what you're up to. This is the time. Cool. Yeah. So, um, the website is a uh, journal Uh, we got a blog there with some good, interesting content. Uh, the, you can find any of our apps by searching journal, uh, in the app store. Um, and then you can usually find the developer page with our, we have a suite of travel apps. We have packing lists, uh, you know, currency converters and you know, a handful of other things that uh, help you along the way. Um, you can find me personally online uh, at, at Dane Hominick, D-A-N-E-H-O-M-E-N-I-C-K, Instagram um, and Twitter. And then Journal HQ at Journal HQ, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and um, anywhere else. Uh, but yeah, if, uh, if we can put a link in the show notes. Um, if anybody has any, any further questions, I would happy to be of, of service, uh, to your, um, real sweet community here. Right on, man. Thank you so very much. And really had a, a blast chatting with you. Let's, let's do it again over a beer in person somewhere. Oh, I'm into that. Yeah. And no, I really appreciate you having, uh, having me on, uh, I'm super excited to have been on this, your podcast is killer. Sure, so, man. Thank uh, thanks again, man. Great, great chatting. Thank you so much. Take care. See ya. There you have it. Thank you once again to Dane for stopping by the show. Friendly Canadian, right? A friendly Canadian. Dane actually sent me a link uh, to share with you that has a special offer for Zero to Travel listeners in terms of his app, and I'll share it with you now. I can also put it in the show notes. It's just journo-travel.com slash zero dash two dash travel. So if you want to get a special offer from Dane, uh, that gives you $25 off a yearly journal plan and some cool bonuses. So check that out if you are interested. And thanks again, Dane. Awesome to chat with you. I, <laughs> I know this friendly Canadian thing is, I mean, listen, if you're Canadian, tell me why you guys are so darn friendly. I actually Googled it just for fun and got some different answers. I saw somebody had done a study. This was on motherjones.com. Researchers collected 40 million tweets from both Canadian and American accounts between February of 2015 and February of 2016 and analyzed them. And is <laughs> they say in this article, some of the words that were quote unquote most characteristic of Americans include hate, miss, tired, mad, and ugly, but also money, hair, and high. <laughs> Canadians, on the other hand, as it says in the article, tend to favor emoticons. Emoticons, that's a funny word. <laughs> and uh, it goes on to say they saw an overrepresentation of emotionally positive words like great, thanks, amazing, beautiful, and happy, in addition to neutral words like or neutral words like coffee, winter, hockey, beer, and party. So there you go. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. What can I say? I'm not dissing my American brethren because I love my home country and 
I love my people in America, but I also love the Canadians. So, hey, I, I don't I don't have anywhere to go with this other than um, I just thought it was fun and funny to talk about. And it was hilarious typing into Google. Why are Canadians so nice to see what comes up? So anyway, there's a challenge for you today. Type in something ridiculous into Google and just see what comes up. Couldn't believe there was a study about this. Anyway, <laughs> hope you enjoyed that conversation. I wanted to give a shout out to a Canadian who just wrote me. He has a really cool name. His name is Jason. <laughs> Let me read a snippet of this email he sent me just yesterday. He said, hey, Jason, wanted to reach out and say thank you for your work with the podcast. I've been listening for a couple of years, and it's been a real comfort. The most recent episode you posted, one of your transition travel episodes, has me feeling really nostalgic for that feeling of exhilaration that you get when you're bending everything in your life toward the goal of getting the heck out of Dodge or the feeling of freshly coming back from travel and the wide-eyed way that you look at the world based on all the experiences you have been having. Last year, my partner and I set out for a six-month backpacking trip through Europe, starting in Portugal, then through Spain, France, Germany, the Czech Republic, and down through Croatia. It was pretty life-changing, not so much the trip itself, but rather the mental-slash-emotional transition leading up to it. A couple years back, I honestly don't know if I would have considered doing a trip like that as a possibility because it was... It all just felt so inaccessible. I mean, I had never even flown on a plane up to that point. But then in the initial stages of thinking about doing this trip, I came across your podcast and became hooked listening to so many stories of people in situations not dissimilar to mine, just figuring it out and making it work. It was a real inspiration to me. Appreciate your perspective and energy you bring. You're a positive dude. Thank you so much. He goes on and says some nice things. And he finished here. He said, oh... Also, I'm a cartoonist. I made a bunch of journal comics on my trip that tried to capture what I was going through during it. So in the spirit of reciprocity, I thought I would share a little something I made with you. Much love from Toronto, Canada. Jason. And uh, he sent me four of his comics. They're so cool. I love when people figure out creative ways to capture memories, make notes, whatever. Like I I wish I had the talent of cartooning. I know it's something I could develop. Maybe I should get some lessons from you, Jason, or uh, just start getting into it. I know my mom has been drawing and making some cartoons lately. So, hey, maybe she can inspire me to do that too. I I love this. He's got one here from Granada, Spain. It's a picture of him uh, walking. You can see the background and it just says, walking through the city, I look up and see the mountains I came to see. And uh, just these cool little memories and uh awesome drawings so anyway i i just like man this is so cool jason can we create uh, some kind of travel themed zero to travel comic book i don't know would anybody be into that what do you guys think a travel comic book should we make a an informative travel book with just comics i'm, I'm really into this comic stuff right now this was i thought this was just so creative and cool so anyway thank you so much for sending this jason hey if you want to send your your artwork, your creative stuff, anything that you're doing, you can always hit me up, Jason at zerototravel.com. I would, it'd be really cool to just like have an art wall on the blog or something or share a bunch of stuff from the community. I'd really be into that if you are. Hit me up. If I get enough stuff, we'll figure out something cool to do with it. Either start sharing it in the newsletter over at zerototravel.com. Um, we could have like a, and a featured community member of the week or something. I'm, I'm totally down for more connection, more community. And I know a lot of you out there probably are, especially going through this whole 
COVID thing. So anyway, stay strong, stay healthy. Much love to you and yours. I will give you, or I should say I'll leave you with a quote. I'm pulling out a quote from the quote drawer. I never know what I'm going to get. Got the drawer full of quotes here. Let's see. Shuffling the papers around. Here's one. I don't know what it's going to be. It's from Papaji. No object of desire is worth your peace. There you go. Some words of wisdom to leave you with. And thanks for listening. Much love. I'll see you next time. Peace. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.